Hello everyone, this is Adam here and this is a special edition of our podcast. I'm actually recording this intro at my home office after visiting Cvent Connect Europe which has just taken place as a hybrid event across the 4th and 6th of October. The physical part actually took place at London in the O2 Intercontinental Hotel. Fabulous event, fabulous venue um, and I got to sit down with two of the team from Cvent. Um, I got to speak to Jamie Vaughan, Vice President of European Sales at Cvent and with Jamie I got to speak to him about on his opinions on the state of the UK events market some of the trends and predictions that he has and general thoughts on how the industry is doing and we go into a little bit about this event roadmap as well just a gentle reminder this is recorded like I said at an event so there is in some cases a little bit of background noise but hopefully that won't be too intrusive please give it a like and a share and comment on LinkedIn and we'll see you in the next episode What's your role in today's event? That's a very good question, Adam. Today and yesterday is basically we're facilitating the event. So my role has been a split of speaking on stage, press interviews, obviously, and meeting clients primarily. But beyond that, of course, there's a support role. because I've got a lot of staff here. There's a massive production happening here. So I'll be running around making sure everything's okay. Okay. Can you tell us more about what you've been speaking on stage to your customers about? So yeah, so this is a Cvent conference for customers, but also for prospects and also across our entire ecosystem. So there's, there's a variety of reasons people will be here. So we have done two things. Yesterday, a lot of the content was about Cvent, the product. But most importantly, my favorite session is the roadmap, where we are, where we've come from, from a product perspective, moreover, where we're taking it. So I believe as a big vendor, uh, we have responsibility to stay ahead of the game. We need to make sure that our products are not just right for today's environment, but they can accommodate where we're going for the next five to 10 years. That's one of my favorite sessions. I actually wasn't involved in that one, not in the actual delivery bit, but that was one of my favorite sessions. Today, uh, sorry, and yesterday I, I did a, a session in the main stage regarding the big resignation. So we discussed the industry issues with people leaving the industry and the cultural changes that have occurred in the last two years. What were your takeaways from that conversation? What's well, your big takeaway? Well, first that? of all, what my big takeaway was there are people on my panel and in the audience who are from, we're a software company, right? But we work in the event industry. So marketing, agencies, venues, catering, there was an array of audience and they all had the same issues. So I felt quite good. It wasn't just us. It was interesting to know the entire industry suffered from this. And a lot of it is fatigue. A lot of it is the dynamic of why you'd go to work in the first place has changed dramatically in, in COVID. So it was nice to share those experiences. The answers, I don't think anyone has right now, but the observations were very much around the similarities of why people would leave, where they would go, why would they leave? Money's always a, a, a point that's raised when somebody leaves. That's obvious, people don't usually leave for less money. So removing the logic, I think there's been an inflated position in people offering higher salaries to attract staff. It may be because they're reflecting the fact they're losing staff, but I think it was agreed across the board. That's a degree of false economy because people are being put into roles for more money with more responsibility that don't necessarily have the experience. So in CVM, we have the notion fairly general, called Boomerang, where we train and invest in our staff heavily and they leave us. When they leave us, we don't necessarily say goodbye. We keep in touch socially and we, we're a friendly community anyway, so we keep in touch with our teams. And it's not uncommon for them to start raising a little bit of disillusionment in the new role six to eight months in. 
And then, of course, we will talk to them about a potential return. Well, one thing I've known is that Stephen invests heavily in community within their teams, in building them up. From my knowledge, well, you're at least still here, so they're obviously doing something right to, to keep you around. And I see other faces that I've seen probably here going maybe on eight or nine years in teams yep. that have stayed in roles. I think your, your culture at Cvent is different to what I see in the majority of the events industry. I don't yes. think there's enough empathy or added value to its employees around just dollars and pounds. Yep. Do you think that's something that the industry needs to work on? Thank you for the observation because not everyone sees that, but it's actually true. In fact, we, we did an analysis quite recently in our leadership groups, so managers and, and, and senior managers, a few tiers up in, in, the, in the progress, and we've had such stability. Yeah. So three or four of our very, very first recruits ever in London, we ten years ago, are still with us. That's kind of bonkers, right? They're still here in such a transient industry. So that's actually, that's sentiment, I think, to how we run our operation. So I joined Cvent from a, a, a history of different things and mostly startups. And people often say to me, why did you join Cvent? And it's an interesting question because the notion of Cvent wasn't really what I would aspire to be because I didn't want to work for a big corporate. However, Cvent Europe is incredibly dynamic as the environment because it was a young startup multicultural environment with very, very wealthy parents. Okay, so a head office would, would give us all the equipment to go out and make it happen. So we create, and we still have a startup hungry family environment, although we have global presence and world-class products. You mentioned earlier that one of the exciting points was your roadmap. Can you give us an insight onto what that roadmap might look like? Of course, I mean, roadmap is, is very important to us. What people don't realize is we've been around for 21 years. Everything we did was about events and by definition, mostly in person. We have, we're, we're a digital first environment. Obviously we're a SaaS platform. so. I've always been vaguely ahead of the game, as you'd expect us to be. COVID hit us, and it was a slight shock to the system, as you can imagine. We still had tools to help us, and we still had things that were okay, but everything that all our clients knew had changed. So we had to do two things. I don't like the word pivot. So we brought the virtual product to the market and looked at the other product sets that would be required of us over the next five years. What people don't know is whilst we were doing that and satisfying the current market needs during COVID, we also lifted the bonnet and looked at the engine. And we realized as a technology business, where the market's going is different to where we thought it was going. So we actually went back a stage from an architectural perspective and redesigned everything that we do from a software perspective to ensure we have the, we don't have bottlenecks, we have the ability to grow with anything the world would throw at us. Fundamentally, what that means is we did not want to take focus off of in-person even though no in-person was happening. We wanted to focus on virtual, even though we knew it, it wasn't a fad, but it would be inflated for a while and would come back. We absolutely invested in two things. One, the notion of hybrid, everything in one place, whether you, from a platform perspective, whether you are in-person or virtual, it shouldn't actually matter from the process of registering, uh, uh, de deploying, absorbing content, etc. It should be the same thing. And then keep it open, what might be next? That next might be the metaverse. It may be further enhancements in AI, VR. We don't actually know what that's going to be, but we've created a structure where we can bring those components in the Cvent engine and plug them into what works very well. Okay. We've 
had a little conversation around this about the intersection of event tech, martech. Would it be fair to say Cvent is evolving into more of a unified communications provider rather than an event technology company? That's a very, very interesting question. So first of all, let me tell you what we are. Cvent is fundamentally a software company. Okay, so we, we, we're listed on NASDAQ. As you probably know, we've got a huge global presence and the market sees us as a software company. Of course, we cannot deny the fact that we sell software into the event industry. So to answer your question, software, what does that take us? We are a communications company, unified company. Yeah, you look like some WebEx who recently Socio and Slido back in the day. Where are they taking that? You take something like Microsoft who own Teams. You know, so there is an enormous interest in how communities talk to each other. An event is a slice in time of that journey, of course, from a physical perspective. But from a digital perspective, the communities are continuing that conversation. So we want to make sure we are there. We want to make sure that we are aware of that industry and have a position in the industry if it changes. We are fundamentally a software company that supports events. I'm not going to move away from that. But the community angle is very strong on our roadmap. Seven has probably got the largest insight into what corporates and customers and associations want across the UK and European markets. What's your opinion on the current strength of the market at the moment? Great question. We are the 800 pound gorilla in the room and we believe we're a bit of a barometer of the industry. With, with over 20,000 live clients, we do learn. Mm. We learn what they're doing. We learn what's going well. We're learning what isn't in flavor right now, and we learn what clients are asking of us. We do actually have customer advisory boards regularly. Most of our roadmap is steered by client request. Fact, that's true. So we listen to our clients and we steer accordingly. So as a corporate responsibility, yes, we are aware of what's going on. Opinions on the market, interesting. And this is, you know, I think reading in between the lines of what's going on right now. Market was fine, 2019, everyone's happy. COVID comes along, everything changes. What do you do? When you have forced change, it's never comfortable. So people flipped to whatever they could do and they thought that was some, we call it virtual, but in those cases, it was just an online communication. And we all know, with respect, that the first six months or so of COVID was horrific. Not the COVID element, because that was obviously dreadfully horrific, but from a event point of view, it was bad. And I think there were so many bad experiences the term once bit and twice shy has cropped up where we have a lot of clients now who say, yeah, that Burgess thing didn't really work for me, so I'm not going to do it again. And you, we spend a lot of time trying to re-educate that you didn't really do a virtual event. You just put something on Zoom. It's different, right? So the market knee-jerked and has now suffered as a consequence. Then, of course, what happened is COVID sort of started phasing out and everybody said, wait, let's get back together and party. So there's been just an enormous, enormous desire an execution of in-person events now. And even more than normal, because if you look at 2019, the 2022 program has swelled. I think 21 events at the end were pushing to 22, and 23 events have been pulled into 22. So we've got this swollen industry. So you've got a swollen industry of in-person events where you also couple that with people who are hybrid working, not coming into central conurbations anymore, don't want to leave home sometimes, and might not want to come to event and mix with people. So you have disconcerning delegates more than ever. So as a consequence of that, numbers are down. 
So I've got lots of clients saying, yeah, my in-person numbers just aren't as good as they were in 2019. Well, it should be no surprise. And then they say, oh, yeah, but when I actually went virtual, when it started working for me, the numbers swelled. Should be no surprise. So as a consequence, you have this unusual transition, I would say, right now, the market where we're learning the best way forward. I passionately believe that will be hybrid, and I'll define that to your, to your readers. Hybrid can mean many, many things, okay? But some degree of in-person blended with digital is the way forward. And we put that in, into a, a jaw bucket. We call it depth and breadth. So when you come to an event in person, you have depth of engagement. I look you in the eyes and I have a conversation with you. We share a coffee and a cake and we have a good, minimal conversation. That's never going away. That's valuable. We love that. But that's depth. Depth can't give you the breadth giving enough people. There are bottlenecks and people might not get there. So breadth is where you have much larger audience. Maybe, yeah, less engagement. But it's much larger, much broader. It's international. It's accessible and sustainable. There are a lot of reasons why it's the right thing to do. So both those elements being brought together give you the way I believe the future will be. And that will be when our clients are reading what's happening from their current work and understanding they might need to be about In a sentence, Jamie, where does a webinar finish and then a virtual event start? The answer is depth of engagement. Mm. Ultimately, an event is something where you can actually engage with somebody digitally or physically you want that engagement and it's content share but it's engagement as well it's depth it's conversational and there's a degree of serendipity when you are in a webinar it's very structured which doesn't allow that serendipity so much to happen one of the elements that people are considering now which they did not consider to years ago, not so much is contingency it's a massive what if Okay. So you take this conference here, for example, we always plan it to be hybrid because, of course, we're a tech company. We want to show off our, our wares, but you'd expect that. However, what's been really useful is about three weeks ago, British Rail announced train strikes. So we've invested an enormous sum of cash that was not refundable because it's too late in the day, food and beverage, all this and the other, all the content, everything we're doing. And what were our choices? What actually were our choices? So the contingency kicked in. We did a selection of things. First of all, because we had hybrid, we went to all our, all, to all our registered physical and say, hey, can you still make it? If, and if there was a strong reason why they couldn't, we would re-register them or would flip the registration into a virtual attorney and say, look, you can still join, you can still engage, you can still support our sponsors, you can still be involved in the content, and you also get access to the library after the event. So we had a fair amount of people who said, I'm not going to come on the first day. I might come on the second day, but the first day I will actually absorb virtually. Wonderful. Keeping clients happy, keeping them engaged. Secondly, we thought, Okay, maybe they do want to come and they can't gear. So with our partners Uber and some other elements, we actually try to think of ways of how we could help the transportation. So we did actually gesture to some of our important clients that maybe we can help you get here. Maybe we can offer you a Uber voucher. Maybe there's a, a discounted hotel rate. So we genuinely went one stage further to ensure that we had them covered. And lastly, we're not an information centre, but we did offer a selection of information and communications to our clients advise them of where they can go to check the train timetables, obviously just links and things, to make sure that everyone was aware of this very fluid situation. So again, disconcerning delegates, any reason they need to not come, they ain't going to come, but we made it a bit more compelling because we cared for them and we, we empathised with the situation. Mm -hmm.